You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 195, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. This edition of Look at My Records features an interview with Warren Lasoda and Nick Lewis of Brooklyn's Almost Sex. Born during the early stages of the pandemic, this duo, who met on Hinge, originally began collaborating and dating remotely before finally meeting up in person to conclude work on their first few singles. In September of 2020, Lasota and Lewis released their first single, Knock Off, and subsequently shared another seven tracks over the course of the last year, including the groove-laced Lie Heartfelt and the more folk-leaning Rest Up. During our interview, we chatted about what it was like for Lasota and Lewis to simultaneously develop a creative and romantic relationship, the inspiration behind their track Eye to Eye, what they remember about their first ever meeting, and much more. Plus, they picked some awesome records from my collection, including some choice cuts from Big Star, Leonard Cohen, and The Promise Ring. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right, it's Tom. This is another episode of Look at My Records. I'm here with Nick and Warren of Almost Sex. Nick, so great to see you. I haven't seen you in a while, so it's cool to see you through my computer screen. Warren, it's so lovely to meet you as well. How are you both doing today? Doing great, Tom. Yeah, doing super well. Super happy to meet you. So am I. I've been a fan since this project started. I guess it officially started when the pandemic started, and then you released your first song later in 2020. And your whole story is so cool, so inspiring for people who, you know, went into a difficult situation and made the best out of it, i.e. the pandemic. So why don't we start out by talking about how this project exactly started for everyone listening, because it's a very cool, unique story. Sure, yeah. So like Tom said, we're almost six and at the very beginning of the pandemic, it was actually the first week that New York was shutting down. I was kind of doomsday swiping on Hinge, hanging out with my roommate and her boyfriend. And, you know, everything was so uncertain. And I ended up matching with Nick. 
and we started sending each other work and we were both really impressed and excited by each other but then I left the city for two months to go stay with my um, my roommate and her grandparents house and got out of the city so because of that we weren't able to meet in person for two months but we sent a lot of stuff back and forth and that's kind of how the project did you feel like you both had an immediate connection creatively or do you think it took like a little while to to hit a stride um i think i think pretty much off the bat it was um well for me it was a pretty cool and interesting way to work on music because i mean i you know as tom knows i've been in uh, a, a different project called night on the sun for um a long time um but that that is since ended now i'm just just doing almost sex but in night on the sun i would only really you know write i would write all the lyrics and stuff like that and i would work kind of uh melody first like a lot of songwriters do but in in this case when i started working with warren i would just get um sort of like poetry on a sheet and find a way to put melodies and uh you know chord progressions to that so that was a really um inspiring way to work and it was something that kind of it was like a new skill that i was learning throughout the pandemic um so that that was kind of a very interesting aspect of it um for me right from the get-go and um it kind of it it helped bring out a lot of um a lot of songs and melodies that i don't think i would have thought of on my own just because it was you know someone else's words and a totally different method for coming up with songs that I was experimenting with in those times. So. Yeah, and this was the first band that I had ever been in. I grew up in like a pretty musical family, so I took piano lessons for like 10 years when I was little and played guitar and ukulele and was just around. My parents are both really into bluegrass, so we would go to bluegrass festivals and they had a lot of friends from that, but I kind of dabble in it a couple different things. I'm, I work at an architecture firm. Um, I love to write and I was really into writing poetry whenever I first met Nick. And so that's kind of, I also had a list of band names just in case I, I ever <laughs> ended up in a band and that's actually where we got the name almost. Yeah, like. so when you were writing poetry, cause I learned from doing a little more research on you guys as a band that you had this musical background so when you were writing poetry like this say the stuff that you sent to nick was it really just something you were doing for yourself at first and you didn't really envision it being lyrics until you met nick and decided hey we could do a band project together yeah i that's sort of how it happened and i mean some of this stuff the first thing that nick ever wrote a melody to didn't even rhyme. It was like a, a section of a short story that I was actually kind of working on that also had some like poetry intertwined, but a lot of it like wasn't very, very it was super prosy, but it didn't really necessarily have a rhyme scheme. Yeah, a rhyme scheme or like a traditional, you know, stru song structure, definitely not. Um, so that was super, like, I mean, the first song is so cool. <laughs> we should like put it out sometime too, but it was just such a neat experience. And then moving on, he was like, well, did you ever write anything that rhymed? And then I kind of wrote towards more of uh, your typical song structure. So I was definitely learning as we went too. But in those first 
two months, I think we together did like 15 demos or something. Um, and yeah, I, I, just, I definitely got used to writing more in that structure. And one of the coolest things is like, I thought I was a night owl until I met Nick and he just like literally does not sleep at night. And <laughs> so I would go to bed, you know, sometimes, well, we were also like kind of falling for each other at the same time. So like I would write lyrics during the day and then we would talk on the phone at night sometimes. And I would send him the lyrics and we kind of talk about like, I'd be like, this sounds like Bonnie Vare went to an ice cream shop and, you know, it was a fall day and it was, you know, just, I don't know, just like giving kind of mood things that I sort of envisioned for the thing that I had written. And then I would pass out and Nick would, of course, be up all night. And then, you know, I would wake up to the song in my inbox and I was like, and listening to that was such an interesting experience because I knew all of the words because I had written them, but it was a song I'd never heard before. Yeah, it sounds like an amazing, uh, deep, creative connection right off the bat because it seems like you were both able to vibe off of each other and learn from each other almost right away. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's, it's also interesting to me, as you alluded to, Warren, because I've interviewed like a lot of artists, uh, creative partners that are also in relationships uh, many times in the past. But in those situations, usually one thing happened first and then the other thing happened after that. For the two of you, it seems like both started developing simultaneously. What was that like? Um, it was, it was, it was kind of, uh, I mean, it was really awesome, but it was, it was sort of confusing for me at times because we were spending so much time working on stuff that I wasn't really sure if <laughs> she was like still interested in, in like ever doing anything like that romantically. So I was just like, I think like a month into it, I was like, um, we're still like talking, talking, right? It's just like a, is this going anywhere? She's like, yeah, yeah, I think so. But it, it just felt like everything felt um, for the first month, like we were just, we were only focusing on the, the music. Um, so I, I guess it sort of, I think the music probably did come first, right? That, I mean, that's what we were talking about mostly in the first month or so. I and would then, say, I mean, I think we also got to know a lot about each other, just like talking about those things I and mean, we made each other playlists like a weekend with just um just the, all of our favorite songs and and sent that kind of stuff back and forth so i think naturally just like things about ourselves and it also kept us so occupied it was something to like look forward to and gave some structure and if we didn't have the music i mean i don't know what we would have talked about we were in totally different places and there was a pandemic going on and it just seemed like it like really, I mean, it definitely kept everything going. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great thing to connect on, sounds yeah. like. Yeah, otherwise we just would have been talking about like what bread we made, like everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you did not talk about bread over the course of the first month. I know it was about two months before you could actually meet in person. Well, what do you remember about that first meeting? What was it like? Because it's, you know, such a unique situation to have gotten to know each other on a personal level and 
on a creative level to bounce ideas back and forth for a period of two months before actually meeting in person. It sounds like there's a lot of anticipation. Uh, there was a lot of anticipation leading up to that first meeting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, I think meeting anybody it, it, when you're doing like online dating, I think the more time that you talk to them before you meet, the more that anticipation builds up and it can be a little bit more nerve wracking. In our case, it was, you know, the height of the pandemic. We also had this creative project and we've been talking every day, all the time and working together for two months. So it was really, really a lot of pressure. And Warren was worried, like, what if we don't like each other? Like, what at, like what's going to happen? You know? Because we, <laughs> we already had like so much invested in in each other, like before we even met. So it was very nerve wracking. But it um, after like an hour of things being like kind of awkward <laughs> when, when I first got to her apartment, it was pretty it felt pretty natural. And then I actually ended up spending because we, we had a weekend together in, in Brooklyn. And then I went and stayed with her family for like a month in uh, oh, wow. Pennsylvania, like immediately afterwards. Dude, diving yeah. right in. Just dove right in. I just remember the first image I ever had of his face in person. I like opened the door to my apartment and he was wearing a mask that was too small that his mom had given him. So his like ears were sticking out. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Yeah, cute. that's a sweet first memory. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Nick, so, you know, as you had mentioned, um, you were previously in a band called Night on the Sun. A lot of these songs for Almost Sex, some they have elements of that project, definitely. But a lot of the songs for this project have, you know, way more electronic elements for you. What do you think led to that shift in sound? Um, I th it's it's really a lot of uh, Warren's influence, I think, uh, in the production. Um, I think Warren likes kind of like synthier, synth-heavy uh, production. And I mean, I, d I definitely, t we, we use that a little bit in Night on the Sun, but I think... Um, also, also the fact that I, for the for the first couple months of the project, we were just it was just, um, you know, the production was basically just being handled by me. So, I was kind of trying to, um, uh, you know, build up this this new sound for for almost sex that would be something separate from from Night on the Sun and to uh, to kind of blend all of our influences together with Warren. But um, as of as of a couple of months ago, we actually um, Ken from Night on the Sun, who I, I don't know if you have, you've ever met, but he started working with us a lot in like a live capacity and um, and on records too. So him and I are producing everything um, together now. So it's kind of like Night on the Sun is sort of like living through almost sex at this point now, or like we kind of blended them both together. Yeah, that's cool. You had I, I, I read I read that you had mentioned that that Night on the Sun kind of like collapsed into almost sex. And that interview was like about nine months ago, so I was curious if that was still happening. So they've Ken and other members play live with you and are contributing at this point to this project. Yes. Yeah. Cool. 
Yeah. I think the fact that I play keys too in probably influences the sound a lot as well, trying to put those elements in, like also for our live stuff. And yeah, it was cool because actually on the playlist that we made, we had a lot of musicians in common and we both grew up listening to kind of more punky stuff. And that's what Nick's first band was, yeah. <laughs> which also had that's Ken cool. in it because they're childhood friends. And yeah, Ken is an amazing bass player and producer and he, he moved to Brooklyn too. Yeah, so. he just moved here. So. Yeah, if anyone's looking for, his name's Ken Helminger, and he's on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> he's, try, he's trying to um, get some freelance work doing like um, engineering and production at different studios. And yeah, so. and he's got some really cool hookups. That we, um, we actually went to the Creamery in Greenpoint and recorded the next song that'll be coming out soon. And, that place is awesome. Yeah, that's a really cool story. Awesome. Well, that's very, very exciting. Um, you've released eight singles so far. We're kind of in a singles-heavy era where bands release singles, don't really focus on releasing EPs or full lengths as much anymore. Um, I'm curious about your creative process with respect to that kind of release uh, schedule. Uh, do you focus on writing and recording one song and then release it once it's done? Or are you kind of working on juggling multiple ideas and songs at a time that you're working on? Yeah, we kind of work pretty heavily like what you how you said it on the one yeah. we're going to release and put it out. And we found that that's was sort of a really good way for us to get started and build like a little bit of a fan base and keep people engaged to, you know, but I think we're, we're always sort of writing in the background too and picking our next favorite demo, but we're super, super excited for next year because we're gonna, we're right now putting together songs for our first EP, which we're hoping comes out early next year. Yeah. Cool, very cool. And what do you find each of yourselves contributing to the creative process of song, you know, songwriting process. Uh, have you found yourselves now that you have eight and a ninth uh, single on the way that you kind of each settle into your respective roles or does it vary from song to song or idea to idea? I think it, var it varies a little bit, um, but I think ge like generally um, I'm like I handle like a lot of the melodies um, Warren does a lot of the lyrics and um, like input on production and arrangement and um, Ken Ken has been helping us just like you know he's he's like he's like a very uh, like detail oriented person who's very good at you know managing ideas and you know getting a smooth workflow down once we're all in the same room together. So the combination of the three of us working together has been really effective at like putting our last couple singles together in a, co a cohesive way. But um, you know, as far as the singles that we put out, it's been like they've been a little bit all over the map in terms of like genre and vibe. And we're trying to for the EP get something that sounds like a you know like one coherent artistic statement that we're trying to put out as the debut EP um, and l live um, we've been do we've been playing with this old drum machine that Ken uh, borrowed from 
a studio that he worked at. It's like a Korg Rhythm 55, it's called. It's like from the late 70s, actually. It's a super old drum machine. But we were being kind of inspired by working with that. And we're planning on having the new record be like, maybe not exactly with that drum machine, but with very small kind of e-drum uh, sounds, trying to keep things a little bit more minimal and uh, small feeling, intimate rather than um, some of our past productions for these singles, which have been like, I guess a little bit more maximalist. Um, so that's kind of the road we're, we're gonna try to embark on with this EP. Yeah, it's definitely been a, a, each song I think has definitely been different. And <laughs> I mean, we have these conversations about like what our vibe is and Ken calls it our vibe compass and kind of like where that's going and the sound of the band. And we sort of go back and forth on it because, I mean, none of us just listen to one type of music. So we, and Nick is such a brilliant songwriter. So I think he can write a song in any genre. So sometimes he'll have this little melody and I'll like latch onto it and be like, we have to do this. We have to put this song out. It's so good. And we haven't necessarily always been thinking about making it sound like the last one that we put out. So I'm definitely though, like, really excited to to try something different for the EP and, and try to get a cohesive collection. So for something like that, because for someone like me, I've enjoyed all the singles you've put out and I think they've all sounded great. For, so for when you're moving forward, going to write an EP and record an EP with a certain sound and vibe in mind, is that is that just a matter of personal preference for the two of you? Like what you're enjoying right now and what you want? your music to sound like what goes into that thought process um yeah i i mean it definitely it feels like um sort of yeah just where where we're at at that time i think we want the ep to feel like just the a documentation of where we're at with with um our musical preferences and tastes at this point in time um but we definitely have you know aspirations that the project will change into a bunch of different things and explore you know different alleys of where we where we see um our tastes going in the future or you know just trying to explore different um different options for where it could go and evolve so right now yeah it definitely feels like we just want to we're really hot on this this drum machine like minimalist thing and we want to see that to its logical conclusion. But, um, you know, for the future, it could be more folky direction. Um, you know, it could, it could be more electronic direction. It's, you know, we, we plan on going down a, a lot of different yeah. roads. I think we struggle sometimes too, because I love folk music and I grew up listening to folk and bluegrass. And I mean, we both love like a lot of different things. So I could see the the EP getting larger and somehow having like an A side and a B side, one that's more, you know, acoustic folk driven and one that's a little more electronic. Cause sometimes I just, even, you know, the, the demos that I hear with just Nick and the guitar, I'm like, we just, we have to put this out. It's so good. So <laughs> I'm trying to convince them to, to be a little looser with what we put out. Yeah, Nick's voice is, very uh, commanding. I remember when Night on the Sun performed on the radio show. I was really uh, kind of blown away by what you could do in such an intimate setting like that. Oh, thanks, Tom. So, 
I wanted to ask you about one of your recent singles, Eye to Eye. Uh, thematically focuses on ideological, irreconcilable differences with a friend or a loved one, something that a lot of people have been dealing with over the last year, two years, three years, four years, whatever. Uh, really relatable, something that I've dealt with and you know everyone I'm sure has dealt with. I was curious what specifically inspired that track. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that was just basically living through the, the Trump era and having conversations with people in my family and people that I'm friends with that, um, that not, not only that you just don't agree with, because I think a lot of times, you know, people are just like, oh, you know, we just agree to disagree. You know, why can't, why can't it just be that? And sometimes it's like, you know, like you could say that, but it's really, it's a lot more than that. You know, like the things that you're saying, say things that you're saying that you believe say a lot about who you are as a person, like your, your morality informs what your political leanings are. And I think like a lot of times people don't see it that way, but I, I really do. So it's difficult for you to just have this super heated discussion and just shake hands afterwards. Like it's a football game or something, but <laughs> it's not, it's not really like that, you know? So it's just trying to, without like totally cutting off people from your life, like, trying to reconcile those two things that are you know, very hard to deal with. And I joke that it's because we both have different favorite Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> well, who's your favorite Beatle, Warren? Mine's John and Nick's is Paul. Oh, yeah, Paul. mine's John okay. too, so. Yay! Yeah, sorry, Nick. <laughs> sorry, dude. <laughs> I'm just a John Lennon guy. I don't know. George know. Harrison's great, too. Absolutely. They're all great. Yeah. I mean, they're all great. Yeah. It's hard to pick a favorite Beatle. But my favorite Beatle is John Lennon. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. It's just, John, I mean, John, you know, obviously oh, has written some go. great songs. <laughs> all the songs that I consistently come back to. And I think a lot of times, like, the songs that people consider, like, some of the greatest pop songs of all time, are, I think... A lot of times Paul songs. Yeah. Like yesterday, for example. Yeah. But, yeah. True. What do you both think of Gen Zers that hate the Beatles? Is that a thing? Yeah, it's like a thing. It's weird. Oh, oh man. It's kind of weird. Upsetting. Yeah, I know. Really I get pissed all the time. I'm like ready to throw down on Twitter, but I restrain <laughs> myself. It's crazy because I like we were playing a show the other day and there was um this band uh, playing that was, I mean, I couldn't tell how young they were, but they definitely, they looked younger than us. They must've been like, most of them were like late teens. Um, and they were doing uh, a bunch of covers of like pop punk emo songs, like from the early mm -hmm. 2000s. Like, kind of, Blink-182, yeah, they, they covered did. Wonderwall. Yeah, they, and uh, well, that's like- <laughs> That's even, I don't know what they were, yeah. Uh, and like, I, I was like, wow, it seems like this pop punk thing is, is sort of um, is coming back for, for Gen Zers. It's just um, if they can if they can revive pop punk, I feel like they can they should totally respect the Beatles. I mean you got you can't can't do that. It's not fair. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. I'm obsessed with Dashboard Confessionals, so <laughs> and I don't care who knows it. I went and saw Dashboard like three years ago. 
And I told all of my friends, I was like, hey, do you want to go see Dashboard? And they all thought I was joking. So nobody came with me and I went by myself and it was so amazing. I've just like always loved them. And I remember like the first, like I listened to a lot of my parents' music just by nature of like how we, we you know, live together and everything. And um, I remember showing my dad, like the first band that I showed him was Dashboard Confessional. And he was like, yeah, but you know, Neil Young. <laughs> and so, I, but it's still like my dad liked it and it felt like, you know, someone that I showed him that, you know, so I just, so I hope that that comes back. I keep telling Nick that, you know, the world is primed for the new Dashboard Confessional. We just got to put out his acoustic demos, you know? <laughs> yeah. Make all these it's going to be you too. You're <laughs> the new Dashboard Confessional. And wow. I'm, I'm here for it. I'm along for the ride, okay? Everyone will listen to this in like 10 years and say, hey, the three of them called it. <laughs> Alma Sex is the new Dashboard Confessional. One wow. could dream. Put that on my grave. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell, tell me about your latest single, Swallow. You want to talk about It's Warren's favorite song. Yeah, I, so no, I love that song so much. I don't even care. I know. I know you're not supposed to like say you like love your own shit, but well, <laughs> Nick's wearing our T-shirt right now, but I think that's just because he hasn't done laundry. So. <laughs> Um, so you just pick it from the merch box if you, if you don't have any clean clothes bust Literally. open the merch box that's, that's, that's like awesome. a, band, a band life hack you never have to do laundry <laughs> that's a good band life hack damn that's don't great we, we wash them all before we put them back in and sell them you know <laughs> that's <sometimes>. good <laughs> but yeah tell me about Swallow since we got a little off track with great band hacks <laughs> yeah, so Swallow, we wrote, um, we actually went out to Pennsylvania uh, near my parents' house and Ken came out and some of the other guys from Night on the Sun and um, we kind of wrote that in the most live way, I feel, than any of the other songs that we've put out where we were really doing the whole thing right there together and Nick had this like the like guitar part and you know as soon as I heard it I was like this is the coolest thing ever I was like this is like Orville Peck meets all J and you know a couple other dope people and I was like we have to do this one yeah and also War Warren's dad actually um he has a, a really cool collection of uh, eclectic instruments but he, he made his own dulcimer actually so we found a way in that end section at the end of Swallow and there's sort of like an instrumental break. Um, we used the dulcimer and also like put his mandolin into a, a weird little tuning and, and played that along um, along with the guitars and drums that we that we were recorded. So that was that was just a really fun song that had a lot of experimentation, especially because we ha our our songs are, you know, I mean we call ourselves like an alt pop band and I really I really love pop music and I guess like sometimes I Warren gets on my on my ass a little <laughs> bit for being too for thinking things need to have like a certain formula and we definitely broke away from it for for that song. Um, so that was like a pretty cool um, experimental experience for us. 
Yeah, that's cool. And it sounds like it was, was that the first song where you had someone else like Ken in the mix for songwriting? Um, th- yeah, well, Ken, Ken had been, pro- Ken had uh, produced, or um, Ken and I pr- co-produced all the songs up in, from, from Blue Heaven on, which is like yeah, starting yeah. In, in June. But Ken actually, yeah, Ken did write um, some of, uh, what's it called of swallow so yeah that was the first the first song with ken uh with the songwriting credit yeah yeah it was awesome i mean just anytime you it it was just such a cool week because we we worked in like like nick said we had all these instruments around and it's just so fun i mean anytime you get nick around any instrument even if he's never played it before he like does something cool with it so you know he's picking up my dad's mandolin Blue Heaven was actually originally had like a, a banjo song because we were staying at my parents. And, you know, they even have like a little hand harp and Nick is like making these sick melodies on it. And I'm like, we have to write a lullaby. We have to write a Paul lullaby. <laughs> so, so what's next for Almost Sex? Is there going to be another single before the end of the year? Yes, um, there's going to be another single called Part of You that we're just finishing up, actually, over the course of the next couple days. Um, we also, we, I mean, we have a show tonight, tonight at Arlene's Grocery. Um, we just recorded or shot a, a series in the, in the subway by our, by our place where we filmed five songs with... Um, the videographer and photographer that we work with a lot, Trevor Brendan. Um, so we got some some pretty cool live acoustic-ish um, versions of some new songs and some old songs that we're gonna start putting out uh, weekly, like every Friday on our social medias, like YouTube and everything. So that's something to look forward to. And, and then, yeah, other than that, it's just uh, working on the EP, which we're planning to have four like totally new four or five possibly totally new songs that people haven't heard before so that's kind of what our goals are for the next couple months what's the status warren you mentioned this earlier the first song you ever worked on together that you said hasn't come out yet what do you see happening with that i think it'd be really interesting to hear since it's the first thing you two collaborated on it's definitely like if, if we said we like derailed a little bit for swallow like there is like no real structure so i could see us maybe using it and i've like tried to talk nick into because i'm always like just put it just put everything out um but i could see it maybe as an intro or an outro because i also alt j is one of my favorite bands of all time and i love listening straight through and so the dream would be to, you know, at some point put out like a cohesive album once we get some practice with the EP and maybe use some of these. Cause I mean, Nick also has a lot of really cool, like instrumental demos that I've really latched onto. And I could see us using that first song and some of those instrumentals to kind of pad out an EP and make some intros and outros and like a, a story. Yeah. Cause that song is basically, yeah, like I was saying it was, uh, just an excerpt like one paragraph that she sent me from her uh, book that she was working on so it was really just a spoken word piece that I did um, I just put you know 
I did my my best dramatic reading of what she sent over <laughs> over some uh, <laughs> over some uh, like acoustic guitar tracks that I was working on. And, uh, it is pretty cool. I mean, I feel like it would be cool to just put it out with like the date that it was conceived because it was like right at the beginning of the pandemic, you know? Yeah, that's true. Something cool like that. Yeah, that sounds like it could work really well on an album as an intro or maybe a middle track to transition from side A to side B of a record or just a middle transition type of thing. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So you're playing live tonight at Arlene's Grocery. For people that haven't seen you live before, what what can they expect? Because your music can be intimate. It can also be expansive as well. Is it just the two of you typically when you play live at a gig like the one that is happening tonight at Arlene's? Or do you have someone like Ken playing bass or more expanded lineup? Um, Ken, it's the, the lineup for Almost Sex has been Warren and I, Ken, plus this uh, this drum machine that we, that we use. Um, so Ken switches off on bass and guitar depending on the song. So I play guitar. And Warren plays a micro Korg synthesizer. So, I mean, yeah, like a lot of times we, we sit down at shows. It's uh, like we got used to that because we had a residency at the at stage three at Rockwood a couple months ago. And it was like a real lounge vibe. So we were sitting down like, uh, like coffee house style, but still like the music gets a little bit amped up. So we try like, we depending on how we're feeling that night, sometimes we stand up or sit or sit down, but we um <laughs> Which we, probably doesn't sound like a big deal to everybody, yeah. but when you're talking it does seem like a huge decision. Like we're all gonna sit tonight, right? Or we're all gonna yeah. uh, <laughs> I think also part of it is this my um keyboard stand is a pain to haul around, so I think that's part of it, like, yeah. <laughs> that I just sit with the Korg in my lap a lot of times. But we actually just ordered Ken because he does switch off um, between bass and guitar. And we actually just ordered him a double neck guitar. So he'll have both. Yeah, um, one bass, one guitar. It's pretty, yeah, so if we awesome. couldn't get any more hipster, <laughs> we, like, just Beautiful. Did. So, yeah, I know. Tonight's going to be super, super fun. And we've... Nick's played at Arlene's Grocery before, but Almost Sex hasn't yet, so we're really, really excited. Yeah. And will they sit or will they stand? <laughs> you will have to go tonight to find out. <laughs> yes. My money is on stand. Yeah. I don't know what the Vegas odds are, but <laughs> I'm going to put money on you'll be standing yeah. tonight. Arlene seems like a stand-up kind of place. Totally. See, there we go. I'm on to something, but I may be influencing you <laughs> by saying these things. So don't let me influence you. Do what you must. All right, now we're going to play three tracks by Almost Sex. We're going to hear Lie Heartfelt, Eye to Eye, and Collapse. And of course, you can listen to these songs right here, right now. But if you like them and you want to hear them again, Check them out on your streaming platform of choice.
All right, we just heard three songs by my guests, Almost Sex. We heard Lie, Heartfelt, Eye to Eye, and Collapse. Now, we're going to play and talk about the records that Warren and Nick selected, starting with a classic from the 80s, The Killing Moon by Echo and the Bunnymen off of Ocean Rain. I actually first heard this song, like I'm sure a lot of people did, on the uh, Donnie Darko soundtrack. Yeah, totally, yeah. Um, and I was I was looking into uh, Echo and the Bunnymen's history a little bit um, a couple of months ago, and I found out that much like us, they used the drum machine for the first year or two that they were a band and that's why they like they were the bunny men and their drum machine was called echo so they yeah. <laughs> nice. which i thought was really cool and um if i felt kinship with them because of that man we gotta name our drum machine yeah we should but then i think at, at the point where they released the killing moon i think they had a live drummer at that point definitely sounds like they do um but i thought that was a cool little uh history of their their band names yeah i mean this song is just so good and it's so cool and spooky like that actually we were driving to go camping like a week ago and we were on this like really dark back road and it's like a winding road upstate and nick just like stopped the car in the middle of the road and i was like what (laughs) and he just got out his phone and put this song on and so it was like perfect for this setting we were like driving through and then like to the left of the road i saw like the biggest deer it was a huge buck that i'd ever seen it was just such like a weird it was just like standing there looking at us and we were driving so slowly with the song on it was just it's a great autumn like halloween type song you know perfect for this time of year Kansas Remembers Me Now by Orville Peck off of Pony. Yeah, this song I also love. I mean, I love this whole record, and there's so many good songs off of it. This is one of my favorites. Um, I think I just definitely connected with the whole album and listening to the whole thing straight through is such a mood. Um, And I think... You know, the the guys is super interesting and there's, you know, a little bit of the country flair, but it's, yeah, dark and moody and, and cool. It's like a psychedelic, like, because I, I wasn't really familiar with Orville Peck till I met Warren, but um, the vibe is like sort of psychedelic, like Elvis or uh, the Righteous Brothers or something. It's super cool. Yeah, I mean, the amount of times I listened to this album whenever it first came out, and then anyone I saw, I would just be like, have you heard this? <laughs> you have to put it on. And it, the, I guess the the guy, it's a mystery who he is, although I think the internet has found it out because they looked at his tattoos. Um, oh my gosh, really? <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. And he, Damn. 
I, I mean, I won't spoil who he is because I feel like he doesn't want everyone to know, hence the disguise, but he was in like some older punk bands oh. previously. Oh, I wonder if it's, yeah. It's actually just yeah. Sonny Moore too. He's also he's Skrillex and Orville Pen. <laughs> I guess I'll Google who is Orville Peck and maybe we'll find it out, you know. We're getting email. Nothing feels good by the promise ring off of nothing feels good. Classic second wave emo record. One of the finest Midwest emo records, in my opinion. Yeah, I love this song so much. Because growing up, I mean, I'm like 28 now. So this album was like a bit, a bit before my time. So I grew up on uh, emo bands like especially being from New Jersey, like the early November, Census Fail, The Starting Line, Brand New. Oh yeah, I remember all those. Uh, yeah, like the drive through Records bands. So, um, but my mom saw that I was like really into this kind of music. So she she like bought me this book called Nothing Feels Good. Uh, I remember like, that book, oh my God, <laughs> yeah. You read that? It was, it was pretty- Punk Rock Teenagers and Emo, yeah. right? Was like the- Nothing feels good, punk rock, teenagers, and emo, or something. Yes, like that. yes, exactly. So, <laughs> so nothing feels good for the punk rock soul or chicken soup. Yeah, it was for punks. Yeah. Well, it was just it was like a like a history of of emo music, and they talked about the Promise Ring and Rights of Spring and uh, all those bands. So, I um I checked out this song, and I, I just I I still love this song so much. It's one of my it really is one of my favorite songs ever. I love it. Yeah, damn. I may want to reread that book. I haven't read that book in probably 20 years. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> damn. Probably like a good book to revisit for sure. Wow. What a throwback. Thank you for mentioning yeah. that book. I totally forgot about it. All right, next, more Jersey references are about to happen. Dancing in the Dark by Bruce Springsteen off of Born in the USA. Yeah, dancing. Nick and I, both Jersey boys, so yeah. we love this guy. Yeah, um, yeah. this song, I mean, you know, obviously everybody loves this song, for whether you're from Jersey or not, but I mean, this, this song just will always have a, a place in my heart like listening to this and the rest of this album with my family on fourth of july so you know jersey staple i think it's one of the best songs of all time that <laughs> chorus is just so great um you know what what sounds a lot it's perfect i can't start a fire without a spark cannot dude <laughs> I'm and also the, la the last time i was on the show i picked like a big single for um the new radical song, so I felt like in the spirit of that, I had to I had to choose a big a big anthem. 
for this one too. Well, we did do the most Jersey thing like two weeks ago. We drove back to Jersey to see the Sopranos prequel with Nick's parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we listened <laughs> to Bruce awesome. Springsteen the whole way there. Next, Dance Me to the End of Love by Leonard Cohen off of various positions. Yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, I'm a huge Leonard Cohen fan. I think he just, from childhood to, you know, someone that, my grandma like just the amount the the breadth of his work the different styles it just it reaches so many people um and i also you know as uh someone then who really really loves lyrics i just think he's i mean i'm not the first person i think he's like one of the best musicians to ever live i just really really love him and um this song, or I guess this song has some, like, some, this is, his life is just also so interesting because he was in, like, so many different religions, and he just, I think, had a, a thirst for learning more about himself and about the world, and I think that it just comes through so much in his songwriting, and um, I think this song particularly, he spent a lot of time in, on a Greek island, and there's some influence from that there. Um, but yeah, just someone that, yeah, like my grandma loves, I love, and I think everyone for all of time will love. I went to an amazing exhibit at the Jewish Museum a few years ago, and they had a ton of live footage there, and it was completely amazing. And actually, uh, from a different album, but one of my favorite songs, a famous Blue Raincoat, they had this, um, I guess, immersive exhibit where you just went into this small room. So just like a normal New York bedroom that just fits a bed. And it just had like <laughs> a little like plinth in the middle that you lay down on and all of the walls were black and that song starts playing and these shapes like are projected up the walls and there's a projection of you on the ceiling and the shapes come up and while the song is going, they slowly cover your entire body while the song is playing. And it's just like, I'll wow. never forget that moment, but I just, I love him so much. I like, well, just sit in the shower in the dark and listen to him for like, for hours. It's just so good. But yeah, I'll stop. We can talk about the next song because I'll talk about Leonard Cohen, how much I love him forever. <laughs> Dancing to the end of love. Next, Dance This Mess Around by the B-52s off of their self-titled record. Yeah, this one is another one that I chose. And yeah, I just love the B-52s. My dad would play this 
record um, for me whenever I was little. And one of my first, um, one of my early memories jamming with my dad is I was like dancing to this album on a stool and I jumped and threw my hands in the air and broke a lamp. But that's like how hard I was dancing and how much I loved this album. So. by Big Star off of number one record. Yeah, this this is uh, another one of my favorite songs ever. Um, it's just like, so I think so many songs try to encapsulate that puppy love feeling when you're a kid and you just fall in love with somebody like, you know, won't you let me walk you home from school? Like that, those, those yeah. lyrics in this song, it's just like... Super sweet song. Yeah, yeah and... Um, I think this song does it better than you know almost anything I've ever heard of just just putting you back into those like awkward awkward years like just learning about what love or you know what you think love feels like at the time. Um, I actually heard this song for the first time on that '70s show. They play it on the finale of that '70s show when Eric and Donna decide that they're they're gonna try to make it work <laughs> at the end of the show. Um, so I was like seven years old and I was like, what is this song? And then since then I got more into Alex Chillin and, and Big Star. And there's a cool uh, Netflix documentary a, a, about Big Star that people should check out too. But um, they're like one of those bands that is like your favorite band's favorite band. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, just an amazing song, amazing band. Get tickets for the dance. Hey, Warren and Nick, sadly, we're coming to the end of today's edition of Look at My Records. It was so awesome having you on the program today. Everyone, you can stream all of Almost Sex's music on your streaming platform of choice. You gotta check them out on Instagram, almost.sex. They're also on Facebook as well. And tonight, they're performing at Arlene's Groceries. They'll be playing at Connolly's on November 19th as well. Is Where's that? Is that... It's a uh, Midtown. It's like, uh, I think it's like... Nice, 44th, 45th and 6th. And you're playing with Quality Living. That's a New Jersey. Oh, do you know band. them? Yeah. Yes, I'm sort of. I grew up with them. those guys. They're awesome. I've been playing with them forever. Oh, wow. How about yeah. that? I don't think I've ever, like, actually met them, but I 100% know them. Oh, nice. You know, through music and the internet yeah. and stuff. Well, that's super exciting. So, 
Friday, November 19th at Connolly's and tonight at Arlene's Grocery. Warren and Nick, thank you so much. And when can everyone expect your next single, by the way? Um, the next single should be, we don't have a specific date for it yet, but it should be coming like around this time next month. Like probably around the time that we're playing that show. Like November 19th, 20th, something like that. A nice treat for Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. A new Almost <laughs> Sex song. And you could also go to almostsexmusic.com. You guys have some cool merch items, including a crew neck sweatshirt. It's getting called out. Crew neck sweatshirts are perfect for right now. <laughs> so Warren and Nick, thank you so much. Thank Thanks, you so Tom. much, Tom. We're going to end today's show with one more track by Almost Sex. It's their most recent single, Swallow. Reach out your hand. 